Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And what's interesting is that when Rachel said, I have yakold, I have prevailed, that that's the same word that Jacob used when he wrestled with God and Jacob saw that he prevailed not, he yakold not. In Genesis 32, 24 through 25, where it says, Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man. That'd be Jehovah Jesus. There wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, Yaakov not, prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he saw that he prevailed not. He Yaakov not. Jacob's thigh was painfully, painfully, out of joint, put out of joint. You cannot be in a more prevail not situation and position than the having the pain of a thigh out of joint. I mean, talk about pain. I mean, uh, having a shoulder out of joint is unbelievable pain, but a thigh out of joint, unbearable. Sends the body into shock. And it's in this state of being helpless, absolutely helpless. And he says, I yakold not, I prevailed not, that God takes the same word, Yaakov. And he says, I've got to rename you, Jacob. In verse 28, he said, Thy name shall be no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed, hast Yaakov. So God said to Jacob, now your name is Israel. For as a prince, you have power with God, with men, and you have prevailed. You have Yaakov. What? I don't understand. Okay, Rachel, in chapter 30, verse 8, she's standing strong. She's feeling strong. She said, I have prevailed, Yaakov. But she really had not prevailed. See? Jacob, in Genesis 32, 28, he's in excruciating pain with his thigh out of joint. His body is quivering in shock. He's pitifully clinging to Jehovah Jesus, who's just put his thigh out of joint, he sees that he prevails not, Yaakov not. But then Jehovah Jesus says to Jacob, you have prevailed, Yaakov, with God and with man. What? How's that? Jehovah Jesus has just put Jacob's thigh out of joint. Jacob's in unbearable pain. His body's quivering. He's trying his best to keep from passing out from the pain. And all he does is he's clinging to Jehovah Jesus' trembling voice. He manages to say, I won't let you go unless you bless me. In that state. Jehovah Jesus takes Jacob's hand, holds it up, and says, the winner. (laughs) You tell me how that works. The winner, you won, you prevailed, Yaakov. What's the explanation? Rachel was strong in herself. It is grace. Rachel was strong in herself. She said, I prevailed, Yaakov. 
Reality, she didn't prevail. Jacob was weak in himself. He says, I prevailed not. God said, you prevailed. Jacob, you prevailed. Rachel, you said you prevailed. You didn't prevail because you were strong and you didn't depend on God. Jacob, you saw you prevailed not, but you did prevail because you were weak and you depended on God. Jacob, you prevailed because of grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Jacob, when you're weak, then you're strong. Because the strength of Jehovah Jesus can now be made perfect in your weakness. Jacob, you were never the strongest as at the time when your body was racked with pain from a thigh that was out of joint, you were clinging to me and you saw you prevailed not. That's your strongest point. Rachel, you were never the weakest as at the time when you felt the strongest against your sister, you didn't need me, you saw that you prevailed. Rachel, she sees this big problem in her life, and it's spelled L-E-A-H, Leah. It's her sister. And, and so all the names of the children focus on her big problem, her sister Leah. And now for Leah, the big problem in her life was Jacob, Jacob's hatred of her. So the names of her first three children speak of Jacob's hatred of her. But the name of, as we said, the name of Leah's fourth child, Judah, it speaks only about God. That's growth. That's growth in the Lord. Both sisters started from the same position of a life problem. One sister, Leah, grew to God. The other sister, Rachel, grew away from God. Which one are we? Are we Leah or are we Rachel? And who's caught in the middle of all this? What a lucky man. (laughs) Jacob. Miserable existence for Jacob caught in the middle of two warring sisters. And as Jacob watches them fight, he sort of sees, you know, there's two ways for me to live my life. There is this Rachel way of life, which is self-centered. It's wrestling with others. It's going to get your way no matter what. And then there's this Leah way of life, of praising God and prayer and trusting God. So Jacob can look at this as, you know, with these, with these two wives in front of me, I can see two ways to live life. And with his two wives, Jacob can see that in him, there's two Jacobs inside of him. There's a Rachel Jacob inside of him that wants to rebel against God and wants his own way. And at the same time, there's a Leah Jacob. Uh, you're probably thinking, what is he saying? He's crazy, right? No, that's all right. He said, there's a Leah Jacob inside of him. This Leah Jacob wants to submit to God, wants to pray, wants to praise God. And so as Jacob's caught in the fight, in the middle of this fight here of these two sisters of Leah and Rachel fighting with each other, he feels the Rachel inside of Jacob is fighting with the Leah inside of Jacob. This is Paul. It's all description in Romans 7. That's what Romans 7 is all about, as Paul put it in Romans 7, 18. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. The evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It's no more I that do it, but sin 
that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity at the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? But why did Rachel say in verse 8, I have prevailed? So that's the question. Why did she say that? Rachel said that because it wasn't enough to irritate Leah by naming Bilhah's second son, Naphtali, with great wrestlings, to memorialize the wrestlings between Rachel and Leah. Rachel really wants to get in Leah's face. And so she gives the ultimate irritation. She steps to the center of the wrestling ring, <laughs> Rachel does, and she, she says, the winner! <laughs> That's what she did. And right in the struggle with her sister, we can just see Rachel. Boy, she's, she's getting right in, in Leah's face, and she's saying, I prevailed. I'm the winner. And, in fact, we can even imagine her holding the little baby up there and say, see this? I prevail, so you take that, Leah. Hmm. So Rachel gives this victory cry in verse 8, I have prevailed. Well, that's more than Leah can take. Okay, so she comes back in verse 9. When Leah saw that she left bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave Jacob to wife. Oh, what? <laughs> Leah? No, Leah, don't do that. Leah, you're going to sink down to Rachel's level? Leah, you're going to throw another woman into the arms of your husband to generate more babies? Leah, you're bringing more polygamy into this marriage? It'd be so nice if verse 9 wasn't there. It'd just be so nice. It'd be so much nicer to have finished the history of Leah with the last verse in chapter 29. To have just have read, Leah said, now will I praise the Lord. It would be so much better to be able to say, well, you know, throughout Leah's life, she resisted all kinds of temptations to fight back and lose her grip on things above, her sight on things above. It would have been so good to have been able to say, yeah, Leah was tempted to retaliate, but Leah held on strong uh, to the grip. Now will I praise the Lord. But unfortunately, there's a verse 9 where Leah came off the wall. She came off the wall of now will I praise the Lord. Can you, can't you imagine? Can't you just picture Leah? I mean, she's there on this ladder on the wall building her house of praise to God, and Leah's doing something really important up there, uh, building that house of praise. And, and, and she's trying to concentrate and focus on the goodness of God and on the worthiness of God. And as she's building this house of praise, there below stands Rachel, and she's holding up the baby, Naphtali, and she's yelling up, hey, Leah, see this baby boy here? I wrestled with you. I won. You, know, you lost. I prevailed. You're down. See? And from where we sit, we want to yell back to Leah, Leah, don't listen to Rachel. You know, we want to say, Leah, stay up there on that wall. Keep building that house of praise, Leah. Don't let Rachel get you off that wall. Leah, it's far more important for you to, to not come off that wall. Stay up there, Leah. Yeah. But unfortunately, she doesn't listen to us because we weren't there. You know? But she doesn't listen to any voice that says stay on the wall. And when Leah hears those three words in verse 8, eight I have prevailed. Leah said, that's it. That's it. Rachel has crossed the line now. I'll, I, she wants a cat fight. I'll give her a cat fight. See and, and down the wall, Leah comes. What a warning this is for us. Who has gotten under our skin? 
Who has provoked us to turn from now will I praise the Lord? Who's our Rachel? Who's gotten us to come down from the wall, uh, from our will of, of building a house of praise to God? I mean, how much better to have written about our lives? That Christian kept his grip on things above. That Christian maintained his stand of now will I praise the Lord. No taunts, no provocations, no humiliations, no suffering, no slandering were able in his life to move him off of that wall from building his, his house of praise to God. So sadly, we see in verse 9, the coming down off the wall. She, we can see her, she's climbing down the ladder, and you hear Leah saying, okay, Rachel, you want to fight? I'll give you a fight. And in verse 9, Leah's praise stops. And we've been with Leah. We've been with Leah when she fell down into the valley of Levi, complaining about her husband would not be joined to her. And we've been with Leah when she climbed up out of that valley and she reached the hilltop of Judah where she, when she reached it up there and she threw her hands up, she says, now will I praise the Lord. We were with her. And now in verse nine, it says, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her Jacob to wife. What do we see here? We see Leah sliding on her back all the way down the hill. By giving Zilpah, her maid, to, to Jacob, to wife, Leah has turned from her stand of now will I praise the Lord, and now Rachel's proud, challenging assertions of I have prevailed, they got to Leah, and in that moment of temptation, Leah yielded her hold on God, and, and she, she, she backslides all the way down the hill, losing all the ground that she worked so hard to gain. It'd be so nice that every soul that receives the Lord Jesus Christ and Savior starts well and ends well. But unfortunately, it's not always the case. Unfortunately, there are the verse nines in the lives of Christians. And Leah had stood against the temptation to fight against Rachel. The first name Rachel chose of Dan. That was a challenge to Leah. You know, when Rachel named that first boy Dan, it was like Rachel threw the sword, you know, down on the ground drew that sword out, threw it down on the ground to Leah. You know, the name Dan was like that proud, challenging Goliath yelling over to the camp of Israel. But with the name Dan, Rachel was saying to Leah, 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 this name, Dan, or judge, means all your births were unjust. The name Dan means for you to have children is an injustice. That's what it means. And that was a taunt to Leah. That irritated Leah, but Leah continued to cling to God, and she kept on praising God. She handled that taunt, and she still kept her eyes only on God. But when it came the second name, Rachel chose for her son, Naphtali, the wrestlings, and then, and then she said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. Well, that challenge was just too tempting for Leah to pass up, and we can say, no way. We can see her saying, no way. I'm not going to tolerate my younger sister's challenge that prevailing stuff over me? No. So with those words, Leah took her eyes off of God, lost all the ground she worked so hard to gain, and slid back where she was. Why does this remind me of a diet? <laughs> so the words that verse 9 starts with, and Leah saw that she left bearing. See, when it says Leah saw that she left bearing, that means that Leah saw herself and she stopped seeing God. And the focus in Leah's life changed from seeing God to seeing herself. That's the first step for backsliding. Stop seeing God, start seeing self. The fool hath no delight, but that his heart may discover itself. Boy, it's really good in there. No, that's the first step downward. Step downward. 
Now, what things below did Leah start to see again? Number one, Rachel's proud, assertive challenge of I prevailed. She could not shake that out of her mind. Number two, Leah's old problem, her husband. Number three, Leah's new problem, infertility. Now, look at verse nine, where it says in there, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her Jacob to wife. And look at verse four, which is what Rachel did. She gave him Bilhah, her handmaid to wife. You see those similarities? Gave handmaid to wife, gave her Jacob to wife. Those two verses are almost the same, which shows us Leah is doing the same thing that Rachel has done. Leah has become guilty of the same sin that Rachel is guilty of. And what this shows us is that when we allow someone to trigger us to fight with them, we become like them. We become just like them. We become what we hate in them. To fight someone, you have to get down on their level. That means you're going to be just like them. So in verse 11, we see how Leah has dropped down to become just like Rachel. And Leah says, a troop cometh. And she called his name Gad. Gad means troop. So that's why Leah named him Gad. She said, this child, this is just the beginning. The troop is coming, she says. In other words, get ready, Rachel, because a troop of children are coming. You had a temporary victory, but now not just another child is born. A whole troop is coming. Victory is on its way, Rachel. Leah is saying, you said I prevailed. Well, a troop is coming to knock you down, trample you in the mud, and then we'll see if you can say from the mud I prevailed. This is kind of weird. This is so sad. This is sad. Because when Leah said a troop is coming, what we say is bye-bye Leah. Bye-bye Leah. Leah will no longer be as she was. Leah will never again be what she was. The old Leah has been revived. The bad Leah has been revived. She's become a proud fighter. Sadly, Leah is not alone in life history. Sadly, there are Christians who reach the top of the hill of now will I praise the Lord, and then they become offended, they become angry, they become bitter at a person or or what that person did, or worse, at God for allowing that to happen. And when that happens, it's bye-bye Christian. Sadly, too often, the Christian changes. The The old man gets revived. Christian sinks into becoming a proud fighter in life, and too often the Christian never returns, goes to their grave in that state. I mean, we look too much horizontally in life, and we think our problems are with this person or that person or this situation, but those are temptations. We're being watched. We're being watched by the devil. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil's watching us. We don't see him. He's hiding. But he's watching us to see if, he, if we'll take the bait, become weak, and then he wants to devour us. This came home to me in such a dramatic way. I was preparing for this study less than two hours ago. And I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I hear this big bang on the window. Oh, man, the window almost broke. And I realized, oh, I know what that is, because that's the window by the goldfinch feeder. And so I run over there. I'm standing at the window. And I see this little goldfinch, and he's sitting on the, the feeder, and he's in his stunned, quivering state. He flew into the window, and he was just dazed and stunned, and he just made it back to the feeder there where he was trying to recover, and he was just quivering from the shock, trying to recover so he can fly away. I've seen that before. I've actually walked up to one of them and petted it, you know? <laughs> and he says, it's okay, I can tolerate that. I'm just, leave me alone, pal. I'm trying to get better. So 
And I'm watching him there, sitting on the feeder, trying to recover. But I didn't realize that I wasn't the only one watching him. I didn't know. I wasn't the only one watching him trying to recover. I couldn't see that up in the big pine tree there was a red-tailed hawk. And he was watching that little bird also. And while I'm standing there in front of the window, the most unbelievable sight, I couldn't believe my eyes, this out of the large, out of the pine tree, comes this red-tailed hawk in a fast dive. His wings are all spread out. And with his, and it happens like in split second. And with his last strength, the little bird sees that, and he dives into the bush below. And the red hawk says, that's no problem for me. And he dove into the bush below too and grabbed him and flew off with him in his talons. See, that's a picture of what happens to us when we allow ourselves to be triggered, challenged by a problem. We fly into the gas. And it's just like we fly right into the window. And while we're still in the state of shock or being stunned, you know, about trying to retaliate, the devil hawk swoops down on us. See, God's put this history of Leah here for us for a reason. He wants us to never forget this. Never forget this. Don't ever forget what happened to Leah. Don't forget it because it can happen to you. And you know, the trouble, the trouble with us, we forget. That's why God goes to trouble of detailing for us this history of these falls, so we don't do this. I mean, the, the, the second shortest verse in the Bible, three words. The Lord Jesus Christ emphasized this in Luke 17, 26. He says, it, it says, as it was in the days of Noah, it shall be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, drank, married wives, given in marriage, and this is happy days, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, flood came, destroyed them all. Likewise also, the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be on the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. He that's in the field, let him not likewise return. Three words. Next verse, 32. Remember Lot's wife. He said, remember Lot's wife. See, in this teaching, he's explained to us the greatest danger that you and I face in our lives is a good life. That's the greatest danger we face. Overattached to this world with three thrilling experiences, eating and drinking and marrying and buying and selling and planting and building, thrilling, exhilarating experiences. But the Lord Jesus said the same day, the same day, in the middle of all that, the middle of everyone having such a good time partying, life is so good that nobody has a sense that anything's wrong, the same day, fire and brimstone rained down on Sodom. How could that be? In essence, he said, the explanation was, in 2 Timothy 3, 4, they were lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And then he said, remember Lot's wife. She turned back with that longing for the city and the good life that she had back there, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. In the same way, our takeaway message, as we study the life of Leah here, is to see how life can be ruined from a life of praising God to a life of a bitter fight. And we can hear the Lord Jesus say, remember Leah, remember Leah. And whenever we see the name of Gad or a troop, we should remember Leah. And the tragedy that how a life could fall from praise to bitterness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for going to all the work of laying this out for us, Lord. And we pray that the eyes that you've given to us to see and the ears that you've given to us to hear would see and hear in Jesus' name. Amen. 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor, that's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries, reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org.